No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll see how the law given to Moses addressed acts of violence, the punishment criminals received, and the compensation victims received. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Exodus chapter 21 on Simply the Bible. So much controversy exists in the world because people do not agree on a standard. One person has one opinion, another person has another opinion. But who's right? Who's wrong? The law of God provides such a standard. It settles arguments because it shows us what righteousness really is. It provides the means by which fights can be made right and controversies can be conciliated. As we continue in Exodus 21:12, God gives us laws for acts of violence. He who strikes a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. However, if he did not lie in wait, but God delivered him into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place where he may flee. But if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. There were several capital crimes in Israel. Murder is the first one mentioned. This was originally established in the covenant that God made with Noah. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. The Lord differentiates between intentional murder and involuntary manslaughter. Now they had no police force in Israel or jail. So if someone killed somebody in your family, it was your right and your responsibility to avenge the murder. God protected the one who accidentally killed another by providing a place of refuge where he could flee. Eventually, there would be six such cities of refuge scattered throughout Israel in the promised land. There the person who unintentionally killed another could escape the avenger of blood. But premeditated murder was a capital offense. Even if the murderer sought refuge at the altar of God, he was to be taken away and executed. Jesus said that if you bring your sacrifice to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, then first be reconciled with your brother or sister before presenting your gift. Religion is not a substitute for maintaining right relations with another. We have the responsibility to work out our differences in a spirit of love. We must not use spirituality as a cloak for bad behavior. Verse 15, And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Merely striking your father or mother was a capital offense. He who kidnaps a man and sells him, or if he is found in his hand, shall surely be put to death. Kidnapping was also a capital offense in Israel. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. This is the consequence of violating the fifth commandment to honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment dealing with man's relationship to his fellow man. To honor them means to give weight to them. 
But to curse them means to treat them lightly or despise them. Pastor John Corson says, Some of the most vicious murders are committed with the mouth. You might have lots of reasons to be angry or to feel bitter toward your parents, but when you speak against them, it is a capital offense in God's economy. Verse 18, If men contend with each other, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and he does not die but is confined to his bed, if he rises again and walks about outside with his staff, then he who struck him shall be acquitted. He shall only pay for the loss of his time and shall provide for him to be thoroughly healed. Men certainly get into brawls. If a man was injured, but not permanently, then the man who struck him was not to be punished. However, he was to compensate him for his lost time off work, and he was required to pay for any medical or recovery expenses. Do we consider how our words strike or injure others? Sometimes we feel that we must get something off our chest, but then those whom we blast have wounds in their chest that they carry for years to come. Do we take any responsibility for the grief that we cause because we fail to control our temper or because we are using cutting or critical words? We should give compensation in the form of loving compassion to those we have injured until they fully recover and our relationship is thoroughly healed. Verse 20, And if a man beats his male or female servant with a rod so that he dies under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he remains alive a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he is his property. Now, this seems harsh to us. And again, this was written to a culture that practiced slavery. And in that culture, a slave was considered the property of his master, and he had no rights. God required that the master who beat his servant to death be punished although it doesn't indicate that he was to be put to death. Verse 22, If men fight and hurt a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. Now imagine two men fighting. One throws a rock at the other and he ducks so that the rock hits his pregnant wife instead. Now if she gives birth prematurely, but neither her nor her baby are permanently injured, then the stone thrower should be punished as the husband would determine and pay what the judges determine. But if either the mother or child suffer a permanent injury, then the judges should give the sentence of life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, etc. The unborn child was given the same life status as the mother. Therefore, the aborting of a fetus was equivalent to the murdering of the child. The guilty party was punished as a murderer life for life. This is basic to the pro-life position on abortion. 
the unborn child is considered by God not to be a mere mass of tissue, but a living human being. And those who would take the life of this human bear blood guilt before God. The sentence of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was a judicial code for the judges to execute. It was giving consequential punishment in keeping with the crime. This was also a restriction because it is human nature to want to pay back more than what we have suffered. Now, Jesus commented on this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5.38, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, do not turn away. This law had been used to justify any kind of personal vendetta against someone rather than being used as a legal code for sentencing by the judges. Jesus showed that mercy triumphs over judgment when we deal with personal offenses against us with patience and mercy and kindness rather than seeking revenge or making sure that the person gets what's coming to them. For Christ's sake, we ought to respond by being gracious. You see, we receive grace for grace. That is, we receive God's grace so that we may then in turn be gracious toward others. Now, you might wonder, did Jesus really mean this literally? I can just tell you a story that I heard from my grandfather. My grandfather was working for the post office and there was a guy that just didn't like him. And no matter what my grandfather tried to do to reach out to him, it didn't matter. And one time, the guy just hurled off and just hit my grandfather literally in the cheek. And literally, my grandfather turned the other cheek. And the guy was so spooked by the whole thing, he just ran away. But he never bothered my grandfather again after that. So, you know, did Jesus really mean this? Well, you know, if you are being attacked by somebody, you want to look for a means not of just attacking in return, but how would God have me handle this? And doing it in the way that is going to ultimately bring that person to the Lord. That's the idea here. Verse 26, if a man strikes the eye of his male or female servant and destroys it, he shall let him go free for the sake of his eye. And if he knocks out the tooth of his male or female servant, he shall let him go free for the sake of his tooth. As we've mentioned before, God was not instituting slavery in these commandments, but bringing humane regulations for an accepted practice in that culture. Slaves had no rights before the law was given. God said that if you punish your servant so that he or she loses an eye or tooth, then you must let him or her go free. God is the defender of the weak, and we need to remember that before we step on them or strike them with our words. You know, one passage in the New Testament that is a constant challenge to me is Hebrews 12, 14, and 15. Pursue peace with all people and holiness 
without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. This shows how quickly relationships can sour and how important it is that we proactively pursue peace with all people. Admittedly, this is not easy to do. It is very difficult for us to get along with certain people. But God ties our relationship with Him with our relationships with others. Pursuing peace with others is a very important way for us to be holy as our Father in Heaven is holy. And without this holiness, we won't see God. The flip side of this is that if we will seek holiness by pursuing peace with others, then we will see God. We'll see Him working to restore our relationships in ways that we thought impossible. Often I have thought of the phrase, looking carefully lest anyone falls short of the grace of God as applying to me looking out for others. But more recently, I realize that it also applies to me. If I'm not careful, then rather than being a source of God's grace to others, I can be an instrument of harm. I can become like James and John, who wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume those who resisted Christ. But Jesus told them, You do not know what spirit you are of. May God help us to be of His Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Grace. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepperidge Elementary School in Boise. Also, to listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, go to their website at calvarytv.org. We'd really love to hear from you. Tomorrow, we'll continue our study of the Mosaic Law with laws controlling animals and protecting private property. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Exodus on Simply the Bible. 